Hey, welcome to Optimize Your Body with Martin Silva, where we talk raw, uncut facts to truly help you optimize your body. Hey guys, before we get this podcast rolling, I would like to let you know that I have some slots available for my online coaching packages, whether your goal is just to get in shape or if you were looking to get on stage and compete, you know, as a bikini model or physique athlete, bodybuilder, please reach out and give me an email at admin at optimizeyourbody.com. So send an email to admin at optimizeyourbody.com. Also, to go get your free recipe ebooks and your free training plan, just head over to my current website, martin-silver.co.uk, martin-silver.co.uk. And all you have to do is enter your email address into the pop-up box to receive. Enjoy. Dude, you're up early today, man. Seven, it's 7 a.m. over there. It is. It's 7 a.m. here, mate. Yeah, it's quarter past seven. I uh, had a couple of clients this morning. Five nice a.m. Nice and so. early, mate. Nice and early. Nice and early, mate. It must be late for you, man. I don't know how you function at that time. I'm probably falling asleep by 10, I only, I only get started. I only get started around this time. But to be fair, I mean, if I was in Australia, I think I would be awake all hours of the day. All hours of the day. Whereabouts are you based? It's Sydney, is it? Sydney, mate. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been here? I, I was there in October. I was there in October. It's got, uh, got it. How long have you been there? I've been here now for over two years. Oh, mate. Next time I'm out there, I'll hit you up and we'll get a session in. What part, what part are you in? I'm in uh, Coogee, so the eastern suburbs. Awesome. Did, awesome. Yeah, did did, you, dude, we'll definitely get a session in. Definitely get a session in. 100%. Come to, come to the gym in uh, Coogee. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up for sure. So you've been, you, you've been busy. You've got a, your kind of, I think, did you say you have a few weeks left before you start cutting um, for your show? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question because um, I've got around about just under 17 weeks left. But I am going to kind of have a little experiment now and, and do like this week, I think. I'll bring my calories down. So I've been, just for the listeners, I've been bulking for the, the best part of the year really so i've been trying to trying to gain muscle and, and i don't know about you chris but for me it's a uh, it's a full-time job and project actually building muscle nowadays because yeah, i've been trying to do it for growing. years and i'm struggling <laughs> struggling it's, it's funny because i saw um for those of you guys who who aren't uh, following martin he um you put a post up and you were like oh no i'm way too lean here i need to increase my calories not so long ago so dude, that's it's a, a great place to be. Place. I know people are probably watching that. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, I'm saying that's a good place to be. Definitely. It's a great problem to have, mate. You know, I bet people watch that and think, look at this idiot. You know, like <laughs> it's normally the opposite. The people want, they want to get lean. And um, yeah, so for me, you know, I've been lifting weights for a long time now, for about 16, 17 years. So um, much like yourself, mate, I've got a lot of lean body mass. And as, as you probably you know, I know you get some great information out there. So you probably have already um, explained to the listeners the science behind, you know, building muscle. You know, one pound of muscle will burn, you know, give or take 30 to 50 calories just to keep that muscle on your body. So I've got, you know, probably there at about 75 to 80 kilos of, uh, of lean body mass now, roughly. So, you know, my body, just to keep, just to keep, you know, my maintenance calories are, are over 4,000 calories now. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's a lot of calories. You're, you're doing quite a lot of walking as well. You're you're kind of just sitting around fifteen thousand steps, and is that just on a day to day basis? Yeah, so I average around about twelve thousand. Yeah, so that's yeah. and that's with yeah not having to schedule that in. So as you said, mate, my my daily activity is through the roof. Yeah, 
yeah, that's mental, dude. That's mental. And I think, um, you know, the one thing that really kind of resonated, uh, you know, with, um, with me when I was, you know, going through your, um, your, your more recent posts is, um, is just how difficult it is to put on muscle. You know, obviously you've been, you've been doing this for a long time. Um, I think we, we, we just kind of, uh, we just mentioned just, but you know, before, before the podcast off air, uh, Martin didn't know I was actually at his show in 2015 in May, his first show. Yeah. That was your first show, right? It was my first WBFF show. Yeah. I'd done five shows prior to that. What, with, what uh, did you do I, before that? I'd done men's physique before that, Chris. With, oh, uh, UKBF. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously, I mean, you know, over the space of, I suppose, from 2015 to now, um, how have you found, obviously, putting on muscle is just, it's a struggle, right? That's right, mate. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it was a lot easier when I switched the way I trained. So, you know, as you know, Chris, training programming is, is I only actually started valuing how important, you know, training programming and, and training properly Essentially, you want to be doing, you know, for for the audience, you want to be doing the, the minimum amount of work to elicit the maximum amount of change, right? And that's a concept which I never really grasped before because I was always doing um, split body part and hammering each body part, you know, once a week. So one day I would do chest, one day back, one day legs. And this is very common. A lot of people still do this. And, and split body part training is actually very effective if done properly. But if you ask me, doing one body part um, each session, so you're just hitting, you know, the body parts once in a week, um, isn't the right way to go about it. So, so when I switched over to doing the full body, which was actually probably around about uh, early 2016, I switched over because I started learning more about training frequency and recovery. So, you know, just to simplify it, as you as you know, Chris, training frequency is is the amount of training you're doing. So, how often are you hitting each body part, for example? And um, when I switched that up and I started hitting my body parts more frequently, I began to build muscle a lot faster. But yeah, to your question, to your point, um, it's still a battle, right? Because um, as I said previously, you know, I've built a lot of lean body mass now. So that is why resistance training is the most beneficial thing for body composition, losing body fat, and keeping it off long term because. I always explain to people it's muscle tissue is is expensive. It costs it your body a lot of calories to keep that on, right? Yeah. It, it's I, like money. It costs yeah. your body a lot of calories. I think as well, like, you know, the, the one thing that you, that, that you touched on there is just frequency of training. And obviously, you know, when we all get into the gym, we're all on that bro spit, like arms and then shoulders and legs and, and chest. And like you said, that's all well and good. But like that means obviously if you're training chest once a week and you want to grow your chest, your body has mm. only 50 opportunities to grow in a year, right? Like you're training it once oh. a week. It's only got 51, 52 opportunities to grow. You know, as, 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 as Martin said, if you, if you increase your frequency two maybe three times a week, you've, you've doubled or tripled your opportunity for growth. Um, and sometimes people say, Oh, is that overtraining? I personally don't think there's any, there's such thing as overtraining. I think it's just under recovering, and and for someone mm. at, and for someone at your level, obviously, to be competing um, at that level, um, and you know, with your nutrition the way it is, you're ensuring that your recovering is um, you know as 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 well as you possibly 
can and, and, and it's sufficient. So um, I think that's such a good point. How have you found, um, I suppose, with this prep now going into it, what are you going to be focusing on most? Or probably even more awkward, but better question, what are you going to be focusing on most this prep that you've never done before or that you're focusing on most? Great question. So I'm not sure if you know, but um, I'm I'm a lifetime natural, right? So I've never I've never actually um, you know taken any performance enhancing supplements, if you like. Um, and obviously, I compete in a in a non-tested federation. Now, you know, I'm not one to to complain about that. Some people complain about well, no, because you choose to to enter these federations, right? So uh, fortunately for me, like as I said, I've been lifting weights for so long now, probably 16, 17, 18 years. So um, I can, and, and obviously genetics play a part in it, um, but the, for, for the most part, I, I really look after myself. Health is my number one priority now, so I can still compete against people who are not natural um, at a top level, you know? So I place within the top 10 in the world at the, um, at the, 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 champ, the World Championships in Toronto in 2016. So this time round, to your points, I am really, really focusing on retaining as much muscle as possible and I'm tuning up on the day and bringing my best package as far as muscle fullness because getting shredded for me um, is actually the easy part, Chris. So the funny thing is now, I was saying to someone recently, um, it's actually going to be easier for me now to cut. It's actually going to be really straightforward for me to get lean. Uh, the bulking has been the hard part. So um, mainly my, my main focus this time around with the prep, um, the things I'm going to be doing differently is I'm going to do, a sh I'm going to actually do um, probably a shorter cut this time. So last time round, I was actually really, really lean, like 12 weeks out, which which is a good thing because then it makes the, the prep a lot smoother and easier. But I think this time round, I'm going to do a little bit of a shorter cut um, and try and retain as much muscle as possible. Now, when I when I say shorter, shorter cut, I haven't fully kind of, um, I haven't fully clarified that in my head yet because I'm going to be doing a little bit experiment. So I've got like 16 weeks now until I compete. So I'm going to do like a little experiment now over the next few weeks, bring my calories down a bit, see how I respond. So, um, but yeah, and, and what I need to really get right this time around, Chris, actually, which is much more important than what I just talked about is, is actually bringing the best package on the day. So my last competition in 2016 in Toronto the world championships i i got a lot of things wrong on the day which um really hurt because the show before that i was actually um i looked better on stage so everything from my tan <laughs> my spray tan to muscle fullness wasn't quite as dry either and my posing i used a different coach this time and i'm not going to point the finger at the coach it's obviously you know I'm, I'm accountable but um i didn't quite get my posing right on stage either so all of those things, Chris, as you know, at that level, um, that can knock you right down. But, you know, I still got within the top 10. So it'll be interesting if I get all of those things right this time round, um, that, you know, see, see how we get on, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, just for, for those out there in terms of maybe your, your, your last few days, um, without throwing mm -hmm. anyone under the bus, because I actually don't know who it is, um, in that, you, either way. Um, was it a case of kind of uh, maybe water manipulation, carb up, or what aspect of your 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 your, your prep leading up to that did you feel could have been better? Um, and what have you learned from that? Okay, so what I have learned is actually to in terms of the fullness I was talking about. So so muscle fullness is is actually um, important, especially at the pro level. 
So I didn't actually, this time around, I'm going to be doing more uh, of a carb load and manipulating my, my sodium a bit more. And actually, um, so for the, for the listeners, obviously, sodium actually can, can help with muscle fullness on stage, just to simplify, because it retains water within the muscle bellies. Mm-hmm. So um, it is important for you to, to, to have a decent amount of, of water within the muscles, right? So I'm going to be, this time around, I'll be having more, like I said, more carbohydrates and, and loading more, because I know I could get away with more than what I had last time. So peak week, we call it. So the week before the show is when you kind of, all you're going to be doing that week is you're not going to be getting any leaner. All you're going to be doing, as Chris said, is is kind of getting it right with your sodium, water, and carbohydrates. So all that dictates really on stage, those three things, so sodium, carbohydrates, water, is how full your muscle bellies look, which I said is very important for obvious reasons, for, for proportion, for muscular proportion and symmetry. Not so much symmetry, sorry, more muscular proportion and um and having a nice full physique to add to the aesthetics because obviously your waist is going to be really tight and small because you're going to be shredded. And also then, the, uh, as I said, the water, carbs, and sodium is going to dictate how dry you are on stage as, as, as us kind of, that's what we call it in the, uh, in the bodybuilding world, if you like, dry. So essentially, you want to be pretty dehydrated on stage. So, um, so yeah, so... I think what I need to do is, is come in a little bit drier. So what I'll do there is I will actually, um, I'm still working that out, to be honest, what I'm going to do with the water, but I'm not going to do anything too crazy really this time. Um, I might like have, uh, there's a few things I'll do there, but without going too much into detail, it's more a case of having more carbohydrates and um, doing something a little bit different with my water. I think having a little bit more of a water load, so having um, water lean uh, on peak week, and uh, with the carbohydrate, uh, sorry, not the carbohydrates, with the uh, with the sodium, I'm going to manipulate that a little bit. Um, like say four to six weeks out, I'm going to play around and, and and see how my body responds in terms of the muscle fullness, you know, with the sodium. So, yeah, amazing. You know, that's something that I've not really played around with as much as as I should have. What I have noticed mm. when I'm when I'm you know growing or I'm trying to get a lot of food in. I find that especially in terms of, you know, that pump in the gym or that fullness in the muscle um, that aids performance and strength, I've noticed a massive difference. Um, but when I've been that lean, I've not actually manipulated sodium. So that's definitely something that uh, I'm going to make a note of. Um, and it's something that I've, it's kind of been on my mind for, for quite a while, but I haven't experimented with it enough to really feel or see how my body reacts. So um, I'm going to be interested to do. So how many weeks now? Did you say it was 14 or 15? Uh, it's like just under just under seventeen weeks now. Oh, dude, yeah, you've so. loads of time. You've loads of time. You've loads of time. Yeah, you've loads That's of time. Exactly right. I've got four weeks now, a solid four weeks where I'm 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 still looking to to build a bit more muscle. Yeah. Um. So I might just do this week because um, I've I've like I said to you I've been um, bulking for a while. Literally this week I'm gonna just go into a bit of a deficit I think and and see how my body responds. So awesome. Which show is it by the way? Uh, so it is the one in it's the Australian Championships. So um, it's it's a pretty big one here, yeah. So it's uh, up in the Gold Coast, yeah, in Australia. Oh, so. awesome, awesome! I had uh, Alicia Gowans on the podcast not so long ago. So she's uh, down that neck of the woods. She's obviously she's going for her uh, third World Championship title um, in the Bahamas. Um, so she'll yeah. have a lot of uh, females competing. 
um, in that Australian show. Obviously, she's based down there. Um, but yeah, dude, yeah. that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see to see how you get on. Obviously, uh, you're uh, you're well prepared and plenty of time. Um, one thing I did want to chat to you about was your transition from from rugby into fitness, or your transition from I suppose what all of us in in fitness discuss as our old life and our new life um how how i suppose how has your mentality changed since you know getting into fitness um and is it more from a you know a physiological appearance you know feeling better um you know physically or is it just kind of a mental thing and it's a kind of a form of therapy that really got you into the gym in the first place yeah, so I've actually been a personal trainer now for, for around about 12 years. So I've had my foot in the door, so to speak, you know, in, within the fitness world for, for a long time now. And uh, I've trained hundreds and hundreds of people from all walks of life, from athletes to, you know, um, to, to older, to the older population. So I've got a lot of experience within within that realm, and yeah, so I've I, I've always been competitive. So you know, I played rugby from quite a young age, and all sorts of sports really. And <clears throat> I only stopped playing. I think I stopped playing rugby when I was about twenty five, so about about six years ago, something like that. And you know, coming from a, always playing sports and always having that kind of competitive nature, if you like, ingrained into me. I I I heard about the men's physique competitions, so. I heard that it was a new category of, you know, bodybuilding, if you like. And, you know, I had never really considered doing bodybuilding. It was not really, I was never really a guy to like look too much into the magazines. And, and I've, I, I always was a big fan of Arnie. <laughs> but other than that, I wasn't really a big bodybuilding fan or anything. But anyway, um, one of the guys that in the gym I was working and he was like, oh, you know, he told me about this new uh, competition. He said, you should give it a go. He said, you know, it's, they're kind of going for, you know, just the, the, the men's health kind of, you know, cover model kind of look. So you can relate to that, Chris. Yeah, you've, I saw you've uh, done some cover stuff there, mate. Just a few. Yeah, just a few. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's funny, though, because um, obviously my, my journey into fitness was, was quite different, right? Like I've not competed mm. yet. Um, I toyed with the idea of, of competing and probably will compete and I probably will be WBFF at some point. Um, although I'm, I'm pushing on, I'm going to be 30 this year. Um, you're good. I'm 31. So you're good, man. I've got, <laughs> I've got time. I've got time. But yeah, so obviously my, um, you know, my, my journey into fitness, I suppose, was when I moved over to, to London to, to do my doctorate. Um, my, uh, my PhD was in, was in leukemia, was in cancer research, moved over mm-hmm. here, didn't know a single person in a city of 9 million people. Um, and uh, I, I just joined the gym and I happened to join, you know, a pretty big uh, bodybuilding kind of fitness orientated gym when I was here and everyone was doing bodybuilding shows, getting in shape and, and, and doing shoots. And I was like, hmm, I reckon I can, I reckon I can cut down. Obviously, you know, I was, I was still am small, but I was a lot smaller back then, but I, I knew I could yeah. get lean. So, um, yeah, I decided to cut down. When did you start lifting, Chris? Well, so like yourself, my background was uh, was a rugby background. I played uh, played semi professional, played uh, got scholarship to, to university, um, and always had this chip in my shoulder of being the smallest guy on the pitch. So I spent more time in the weight room than anyone else. So I, I didn't grow, but I was extremely strong for my for my size. 
and uh, and that's that's kind of how I got into got into the gym from from that standpoint. Um, wow. And then obviously when I moved to uh, I moved to the states for a while um, just before I did my my masters, and then you know left rugby by the wayside and just you know continued to train really. Um, wow. To be honest, I think it's only I only started I only really cut for the first time maybe in two thousand and fourteen. So maybe probably maybe a year before your your first WBFF show, and um, yeah. I cut for the first time. Uh, did a few shoots. Um, you know they went they went pretty pretty viral. Uh, got contacted from a f- uh, by a few agents and ended up getting on the cover of a few magazines. Um, and then got uh, w- which was a dream feature in Men's Health. Um, mm. And it just kind of went from there. To be honest, dude. Obviously, it's been a very different route, but. Um, yeah, but it's good though because you've had, you, what you've had to you know what you've learned from applying yourself. It's, it's it's not you know it's a little bit different to when you're doing a show, but when you're doing photo shoots, it's not far behind really. If you want to you know obviously with the cover model stuff, they go for a particular certain, certain magazines don't like you to be too shredded, but you've still got to come in you know lean and manipulate a few things leading up to it. And you know because I I've done a lot of photo shoots myself, um, what fitness modeling stuff and whatnot and. Yeah, I just wanted to. Talk, I'll talk a bit um, about that later down the line because I don't know about yourself, Chris, but for me, the amount of photo shoots because I've done all in all, I've done eight competitions now and quite a lot of different photo shoots which I've dieted down for and stuff. So for me, it it gave me a really bad relationship with food. So I was obviously, as you know, with with the restricting side of it and. I'm not sure about yourself, but my knowledge wasn't anywhere near, like not even a fraction of what it is now when I was competing and, and doing these um, these photo shoots. So mm-hmm. all I knew kind of, I was getting advice from, from bodybuilders, like old school bodybuilders who don't know anything about the science essentially. They just, they just yeah. cookie cutter, dangerous, restricted plans. And it just gave me, um, it, it triggered the binge eating disorder, personally, mate. So uh, maybe we could talk a bit more about that. But I'm not sure how you how you manage with your your cutting and stuff. Yeah, I, I think well back then, I think I just um, being completely truthful, dude. I I actually used to intermittent fast a lot, and now that was nothing to do with wanting to get lean, and that was nothing to do with with wanting to drop calories. It was because I found that when I was, um, for, for, for those who aren't aware, um, during my, my PhD, obviously, it was, uh, I was studying um, a form of leukemia called AML or acute myeloid leukemia. And my, uh, my research was actually looking into a specific set of genes that was, or we, we assumed or thought that they were responsible for um, some uh, patients developing this type of leukemia or some pre-leukemic diseases and um, that people get on the way to leukemia. And, and a lot of these people had a higher level or a higher expression level of these genes. And for me mm. to, to do my analysis, I was going, I was spending hours and hours and hours in, in, in the lab and, and the clinic getting loads of blood samples and analyzing. And I actually found that I was a lot sharper um, and a better cognitive function when I was lower on food. So I actually mm. used to go, you know, I'd wake up, um, I was always quite active on my train in the morning. I would say, when I say train, it would be maybe more kind of metabolic work. And then I would spend maybe a few hours, uh, have a coffee, maybe around 10 a.m., still wouldn't have a meal. I'd probably have my first meal at around one or two, maybe. Um, and mm. I found that I was able to get the majority of my lab work done 
my my brain function was perfect i felt i was like mm-hmm. on point and then i just used mm-hmm. to back up my carbs for my evening training session now yeah, let me ask you what food yeah. you're eating then though chris in Devine, but because that's the important thing chris right because i never i can't count like i never promote fasting to to the majority 90 percent of people um if you ask me have no place really really focusing on fasting because building that healthy relationship with food and eating whole foods for the most part is the absolute game changer. It's the most important thing because if people, I'm glad you mentioned at the start as well that, you know, it's, it's when people use intermittent fasting or any form of fasting for that matter um, to lose weight or to get leaner, I think is a dumb idea because don't get me wrong. If, if you're eating healthy foods, it gives you a shorter window to, to eat those foods. And as you said, you can get leaner. Like it's easy because I do intermittent fasting myself, you know, so um, it's much easier to get leaner because you've got a shorter window to eat. And as you said, you feel for me and for, for I find guys respond a lot better to it. Um, but for me and for a lot of um, a lot of people I've coached, you know, who, who have got to a decent level, cognitively, uh, energy wise, and all of these things, you know, you, you function much much better. But um, yeah, so Definitely. I was just going to ask, no, were yeah, you? Yeah. So, so 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 just to touch on 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 on, on that point, I feel like. You're, you're right. And I would suggest that people, if you are going to fast or do intermittent fasting, I would, I would suggest or urge you to do it for other reasons purely than just to um, decrease your feeding window. Because like you said, it can develop a negative relationship with food. Now, yeah. I, I, I was coming at it from a positive perspective of mental clarity and mental focus. And, and by mm. default, I got lean. So, so to answer yeah. your question, if, when I was going to break my fast, now, obviously, when you fast for longer periods of time, you become more insulin sensitive. So, therefore, it would make sense that you're, well, first of all, becoming more insulin sensitive, your body then utilizes carbohydrates better when you have them. So for that reason, I would structure the majority of my carbohydrates in the evening around my workout when I was even more insulin sensitive after resistance training. Now, mm. as you can imagine, for those out there, if, if you, you know, put you in, a, in an exaggerated scenario, imagine you haven't eaten for, for a long time and then all of a sudden you have a rush of sugar. Now, you're going to get a massive insulin spike and then an, an, an immediate drop-off. So for that reason, mm. it is a better idea to break those intermittent fasts with a protein and fat meal um, so that yes. you, you, you delay that, uh, you know, that massive insulin spike and you actually utilize that insulin spike or insulin sensitivity for when you're training. So I would have normally had you know, uh, a, a protein fat meal. It could have been maybe steak and eggs, um, eggs and bacon, um, something along those lines, dude. And then I would have maybe just kind of snacked on nuts, uh, beef jerky, maybe some chicken, chicken and greens in, in, in the evening. Uh, I might have had a coffee and some nuts pre-workout, maybe some coconut oil, um, purely just for some MCT oil that obviously crosses the blood-brain barrier. Um, I would have trained, um, and then I would have kind of backloaded all my carbohydrates. Um, mm. And it worked really, really well to get a, a, you know, a cover model shape um, by default. Um, and I was then able to integrate that sort of um, structure or... Um, or kind of idea with a lot of my clients however i'm not kind of married to any approach a lot of my clients Mm. want carbs first thing in the morning and that's fine they get first thing carbs first thing in the morning the one thing that i'll say to to anyone and it's so true when to be a good coach 
I think you need to ensure that the, the client doesn't even realize they're on your program. They just feel like you're now on theirs. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really, uh, really important thing um, in terms of, uh, you know, building that, that client coach relationship. Um, yeah. Coming back to, to, I suppose, having a negative relationship with food, because you mentioned it and it, it, it's, so, it, it's, it's something that's come up a few times with the last, um, the last few guests that we've had on, on my podcast is, um, you know, that they, they've had a negative relationship with food. How did um, that develop um, and how have you combated that? Or, or what advice yeah. would you give to, to guys in particular? And the reason I say that is because when people say eating disorders, they think of teenage girls. And that's so yes. stereotypical because there are so many of us guys out there that have eating disorders or have had or you know, have a, a poor relationship with food. Um, wh what advice would you give to guys out there going through that similar situation right now? Yeah, so around about 50% here in Australia, around about 50% of all eating disorders, you know, whether that's bulimia, anorexia, all, all come under the binge eating disorder. So around 50% of all eating disorders here in Australia, and I'm sure it's not that different um, over in the UK and US. What I'm trying to say is it's very, very common. So a lot of people, especially guys actually, um, actually binge eat quite regularly, but don't realize that actually this is a little bit of a disorder. And as you say, when you say disorder, you know, there's worse, there's, there's probably worse eating disorders to have for sure. But it's still, it's still a bad place to be because it's very, very tough to actually get connected and get in tune with the signals that we were actually born with, which is eating intuitively, eating based on what your body needs and nourishing your body as opposed to eating purely for mouth pleasure, if you like, which I like, don't get me wrong, I still like to eat food for the taste, obviously, but what happens is as you start eating more whole foods, um, and what I mean by whole foods is any food which is not processed and, you know, which is, is grown or, you know, coming from good animal sources and whatnot. So when you're eating these whole foods for the most part, you start, you start, um, you actually start not craving, so to speak, these, these other food, other foods, but how it all started for me was I was eating well, what I thought I was eating quite healthy leading up to uh, when I first competed, which was back in, I think, 2013. I was eating relatively healthy foods at that point. To be fair, I'd, I'd um, actually increased the amount of vegetables I was eating. Vegetables I was eating, sorry, I was eating better quality sources of meat and more, more of a varied diet. Um, but yeah, so leading up to my first show, um, all good. I didn't really know what I was doing. I literally just jumped on stage. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, I came second and qualified for the, uh, for the UK finals. <clears throat> and then when I did this, um, men's physique British finals, I, like I said, I actually hired a bodybuilder to help me with, with the, uh, the prep for it in terms of the, the food. Mm -hmm. And that's when it, that's when it kind of started then because it was very restrictive. Um, I was eating probably, I don't know, eight, eight or nine different types of foods, primarily like sweet potato. I was having a little bit of sweet potato, but it was, it was mainly like, you know, I was having, what was that? Walnuts, tuna, you know, typical chicken, asparagus, broccoli, um, maybe one or two other things. And that was pretty much all I ate for about, I think it was about six weeks. Right. And it was nothing. Yeah. And that's when it kind of, it, it kind of started then because I competed. I didn't actually place on that show. And leading up to this is when I started realizing, well, actually looking back, I didn't realize at the time, I was actually making a list of, you know, the kind of foods I wanted to eat and whatnot once, once I got off stage. So I, I bought all this crap food, you name it, cakes, cookies, 
um, everything. And my mate came and watched me at the show. The second I got off stage, that's when the bid, the first real binge started. And that to this day, my friend and I, within this, it must have been about 36 hours or something, we put away probably over 20,000 calories each of just absolute garbage. Um, and that's then when, when I realized, okay, so this can't be too good. Um, but then what I was doing then is, is all I knew in between shows was, was to eat the bodybuilding diet, so to speak. That's all I kind of, I thought, right, okay, this is healthy. You know, I'm eating some vegetables, although it was probably just two different vegetables, broccoli and asparagus. Um, and then, I, yeah. So, and then, and then I thought that I genuinely thought, Chris, I was being healthy. And then when we get to the weekends, I would obviously, what I, what I like to call now is a symptom eruption. I would get to like a Friday, Saturday and have one bad meal. And then the whole weekend would turn into a binge. But um, just to cut a long story short, um, when I got towards the end of, this um, issue, I just started eating more vegetables and started um, educating myself on, on, you know, that we don't need to eat. We, we don't need to eat a meal every two to three hours. Like I was brainwashing to thinking when I was doing bodybuilding. You don't have to eat little and often. And in fact, you, it doesn't matter too much. You're kind of splitting hairs. I've had a few people message me lately saying, um, oh, well, you can only absorb a certain amount of protein per meal. And it's like, well, there's some studies to show that, but that's the bottom of the list. You know, as you, as you know, the most important thing is I would say, you know, nutrients, eating whole foods, right, and nourishing your body, but the, the energy balance, that the actual total calories you're having and total protein intake is the most important thing. So, yeah, once I realized that actually most of these things are complete myths, we don't have to eat every couple of hours. Because, Chris, I used to literally think that if I would skip a meal, muscle would fall off my body. That's genuinely what I thought. <laughs> I know. I, I, and the thing is this, dude, I think when you're, you're naturally an ectomorph, obviously, you know, you're, you're a lot bigger than me, but... When you're when we struggle to put on muscle, um, that that is just a, a constant struggle in your head of like, you know. And I use this term, you know, um, you know, in a in, in in the nicest sense of the word. But you know, it's it's like the opposite to fat kid syndrome. You know, when you have, mm. I've got plenty of clients who used to be quite chubby as a kid, and they get in great shape, and they still feel like they're that chubby kid all of the time, and they have that poor relationship with food. It's no different yeah. to us the other way around. We, exactly. you, you'll, we always feel small. It's, it, it, yeah, of course, it's a form of body dysmorphia. To some degree, I feel like as we grow older and become educated and become more mindful, obviously, we, we step outside of that and we become more present. But um, yeah, absolutely. Dude, I know what it's like. It's like, you know, you go a few hours without eating and you think, oh my God, I'm shrinking. Oh my God, I'm shrinking. Oh my God, I'm shrinking. And then especially when you're dieting because you feel depleted, you feel flat. Like you said, you're low on salt. Um, and then all of a sudden you go into the gym, you get a pump and you look insane. Then 45 minutes later, you think you're tiny again. So it's, it's, it's bigger. You know, they call it, don't they? Bigorexia. There's actually a name for it now. <laughs> absolutely 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 so um talk to me about uh, obviously you've been out there for two years um yeah. how are things out in sydney what's the plan what are you doing um pt online coaching um where do you spend most of your time yeah so i actually when i came out here i i just just firstly the reason i came out here was because um obviously a change in lifestyle and, and the weather helps but um there's there's a lot you know there's a lot of opportunity here also, you know, I've got a few friends here from back home, so I thought, you know, I'll, I'll give it a go because, um, yeah, cut a long story short, I came out here for the opportunity and a, a change in lifestyle. It was something that I'd, I'd had at the back of my mind all through my 20s, and then when I got to like 29, I thought, right, I'll miss the boat now if I don't do it. So I came out here, and I came out here to actually pursue more of the modeling stuff, so, you know, fitness and also commercial modeling. 
and what I had started doing a little bit of in the UK before I came out here was a little bit of acting stuff. So initially, my goal was to come out here and and sorry, let, let me just talk about the personal training. And that's always been kind of my you know my bread and butter, if you like. That's like I said, I've been doing that for about twelve years now. Um, so I had um, uh, a gym lined up, so I, I was going to come out here as a self-employed trainer as well and, and uh, build a business here in, in Kuju where I live, which I did and I'm still actually doing the personal training now. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the modeling stuff, I, I've done a few bits and bobs of that. But in reality, I just realized when I, when I got here, I learned a lot about myself, by the way, um, you know, moving to the other side of the world. And I realized that actually, like, this is my expertise. This is why I love fitness. So I'm going to how can I reach more people, Chris? Much like yourself. It's like, how can I reach more people? So that's when I started the podcast. And, um, you know, so, yeah, so out here. And also I, I actually got into doing public speaking as well. That was something which I wanted to delve a bit more into. So I do, I haven't done one for a while, but I was doing like my own kind of presentation to different corporate businesses across Sydney and um, teaching people essentially how to get in shape and, you know, teaching people to make health a priority because um, that's that's my message now. Because as I mentioned then, you know, I I managed to switch my mindset into focusing really on on health and, and focusing on the important you know markers, if you like, like how am I performing in the gym? You know, how is my energy levels? How's my sleep? When I started tuning into these things, that's when aesthetically my my physique started improving because I was in a healthier state. And then I was educating myself more on the on the training programming as I as I alliterated earlier. So yeah, just just to your point, I came out here to pursue more of the modeling and acting stuff. But then I actually realized, you know what, it's not something I'm really passionate about doing. So I'm going to continue on my path uh, with fitness and really try and expand and grow uh, an online some some form of online presence, which I already had, but I, I didn't really I wasn't getting great content out there, Chris, which is uh, something I changed. So. Yeah, it's key, you know, and, and I think for me, what really took off for me was, you know, even when I was on getting on the cover of magazines and men's health and, you know, I was on a few bits of TV in the UK, um, you know, things were going well, but I was posting like topless photos of me in my underwear going like, oh, hit me a message for online programs. And it was only yes. when I got, it's only when I realized like, listen, okay, this, this is great, but I need to educate people. I need to motivate people. I need to inspire people. And it was only when my content started becoming more educational and I started giving out more at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, we, we all know, regardless of how much we know as individuals, we know something that other people don't in, in some area, you know, for example, yep. there could be, you know, 10 people in a room. And as long as you know something that can help one person in that room, speak to that person try and help them, try and empower them, try and educate them. You don't have to know more than everyone. And I think the biggest issue with people in the fitness space is everyone's so afraid or terrified of being called out about something or Mm. just because you don't, just because, you know, you don't know everything, like doesn't mean you can't say something. And the truth is 
the, nobody knows everything. And the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. So for me, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm a pretty educated guy. I've, I've got a master's, I've got a PhD, you know, not many people have those. Um, I was like, well, there's no reason why I can't give out content. There's no reason why I can't try and educate and help other people. And uh, it was only when I started doing that, that my business went through the roof really. And, you know, um, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm in a fortune position now where, you know, my online, online business is, you know, upwards of, of quarter to half a million dollars a year working, wow. you know, work, working really, really well. I've got a big team underneath me now. Um, and, and I'm able to take a little bit of a backseat and focus on, you know, content creation and, and a lot of the educational aspect of things. And obviously o- o- over the last two years in particular, there've been quite a number of, of clients. Uh, I know, you know, Joe Ballinger, I, I I'm guessing potentially, right? Yeah. yeah Joe. Yeah. Yeah, so so Joe joined my mastermind in February. Um, you know, he was he, he was doing quite well. Um, could have been doing a lot better. Um, and we've managed to grow his business from from you know uh, obviously personal uh, personal training um, and online business from just under thirty thousand a year to well upwards of one hundred and ten, one hundred twenty thousand a year in the space of three months. So wow, all, all I'm doing now is, is, um, you know, in, in the aspect of my mastermind is, is helping clients like Joe who have, um, a great presence. Um, you know, they look great and just give them more accountability too. I really enjoy that to be honest. And I was talking to, uh, I, I don't know if you know, Brian DaCosta, he's, um, he's, uh, one of my mates over in the States and, um, he, he obviously <laughs> he's got an online fitness business um, and he's, he's helping people at business to business coaching, help them grow their businesses as well. And I asked him this question. I was like, which do you prefer? Do you prefer helping, you know, PTs and online coaches grow their business or do you help, you know, the small number of, of clients that he still has, you know, get in shape. And the answer, my answer is exactly the same. I love them both in, in, in different ways. I think, um, I suppose, you know, as a, as a, you know, fitness entrepreneur, I think, we need to just delegate our time better. And, you know, I still have, you know, maybe 10 to 15 nutritional clients that I keep personally. And then the other you know, few hundred go to, go to my team of coaches. Um, and it just means that I have, um, you know, enough time then to grow my business, add more value, continue, you know, do amazing podcasts with, um, you know, with people like you and, and network and collaborate and, and focus on the mm. things that, you know, that I want to do to um, grow the business by improving my physique, maybe competing next year. Um, so, it, you know, dude, it's tough. I, you know, it's absolutely tough. It's absolutely tough. And I suppose my advice to anyone out there who wants to get into the, you know, the fitness space or they're a PT in the fitness space is, you know, if you can move online, and you can try and add something different online that nobody else is doing, then you're not really bound or limited to, to any gym or any facility or any area. Um, that being said, though, I, I, I do a small number of, of you know, one-to-one uh, sessions, and I really enjoy them. I really enjoy them. Which, which do you prefer, or, or, or does it depend in terms of... Yeah, some of the and definitely, and, and I, like, I like what you said then about adding value, because that, that's the number one thing where, you know, like I was doing exactly the same thing. I was posting half naked pictures in the past and, you know, it DM me for online coaching. It's like, it doesn't really work like that. You've got to add value. And you've, as you said, you've got to, um, essentially help people and offer something, something doesn't even have to be necessarily something different, but as long as you're authentic and you know, you're consistent with it 
and you just pride yourself on on pumping out that that good content and having structure with it as well, which is something where I've really been uh, improving on lately. But yeah, to to answer your question, I I still love the PT. There's something there's something to be said about those those interactions, right? So you know, there's nothing glamorous about you know people say you know you're an online coach but when you sat in front of a computer all the time and you you, you know you, you slouched over your iphone it's nothing you know it, it's, it's it can be tough at times so as much as it is great to, to build an online business as you said i still really value those interactions that i have with my my clients as a trainer and there's you know there's no there's no better feeling than actually uh you know physically watching someone make amazing progress and you know a lot of the time transforming someone's life is, is an incredible feeling. And obviously we do that online as well, but, but doing that, you know, face to face. And what I find as well, Chris is, um, one thing I'd like to mention as well is I feel like to be a really good, effective online, uh, trainer or nutrition advisor, or, you know, doing both of, as, as we do, you have to have, I, I'd say it does come in very handy to not, not even coming very handy. I think you have to have experience actually coaching people face to face. Do you agree with that? Because yeah. I find a lot, there's a lot of people out there like, oh, you know, every, every Tom, Dick and Harry is an online coach now, right? Which, you know, I'm not, I'm not hating or nothing like that, but, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that I, I've dealt with a lot of people who have come to me because they've, they've had really bad advice and, and sometimes actually they've had a bit of damage done to them from, from cookie cutter, you know, online kind of program uh, plans. So yeah, so so I, I completely agree. And and here's my thought process process on that. I think number one, I think to be a good personal trainer in person, you need to have good people skills. And mm. if you if you want to get into the online fitness space and you want to grow a business, you're still dealing with people. You're not in the fitness business. You're in the people business. You just happen to talk to them about fitness. And I feel like good personal trainers are good people, people there. And I think to be good in anything, even if it's online, yes, you're, uh, to be honest with you, even in the online space, you need to be even better with people because they don't have that connection. You need to bridge that gap even more. Number one, number two, I feel like physically, anatomically being a personal trainer allows you to clearly understand the human body so much better than someone who's just come into online training because you know they've got a decent pair of glutes or they happen to have you know really good abs and they've got a decent following um and i think you know thirdly i think the 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 issue that 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 arises that you mentioned when when people feel like you know they got a cookie cutter cookie cutter plan or they weren't they probably didn't get the attention to detail that they they would have liked that screams to me that whoever that person was, and there's, they're everywhere, is someone who could be an amazing personal trainer and amazing online coach. They could be, but they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. They have too many clients. They, do not, they don't know how to systemize their clients. They're not able to give the attention to detail that the clients need. And why, how, how or why that happens is normally because people see dollar signs and they just see these clients as paying customers rather than lives that they have the ability to change. And if you're smart with business, you're smart with systems, you should be able to build a team around you who can support every single one of your clients. Um, for example, with, with a lot of our um, client groups, I will, we, we will have um, you know, designated lectures or group calls whereby we go through specific slides 
on, you know, uh, this week just gone, we went through progressive slides, um, looking at the different forms of progressive overload. And we will go through, obviously, the theory. Um, but then, obviously, we have a Q&A section afterwards where everyone gets a chance to speak and, and, and assess mm. their thoughts. And that's bridging the gap in the online space that, you know, that not a lot of people are doing instead of just an email here or an email there. Um, and I mm. feel like to, be, to excel in the fitness, the health and fitness space now, people say it's saturated. I don't think it is. I think it's saturated with a lot of mediocre trainers. I think if you stand out and you're willing to give above and beyond, I think the sky's the limit. And, uh, and obviously, you know, that's, um, that's what's important, but yeah, dude, unfortunately, I think, um, you know, there are people out there who are, you know, who are going to come to us and they've had a bad experience. Um, the mm. one thing that we try and do now with clients is, you know, like yourself, anyone in, in the online fitness space, not everyone wants a coach for life. Some people want a coach for a year. Some people want to coach mm. until it runs its course. And some people just want eight weeks until they go, you know, on holidays. Um, exactly. So re- regardless of how long they're on or why, whether they can't afford financially, whether they have a budget, whether they're traveling, you know, whether they want to do their own thing, whether they want to learn from someone else, every single client now, we get one of the coaches to uh, fill out a questionnaire based on that client. Why the client, uh, why the client's left, um, what the client, uh, what were the client's biggest wins? Um, what could you have done better to better serve that client that you didn't do? Um, what did you, uh, <clears throat> what did you learn about coaching that client? Um, what were the client's wins? What were the things that you wish you could have helped that client that you didn't manage to do in that space of time? And, and the reason we do that is so that one, it keeps the coach accountable. Um, but it also means that we're, we're feeding back information to, to the team and we can see, okay, like, so, you know, for example, if, if, if a lot of people are giving out the same response that, you know, maybe I couldn't continue because the program is too expensive, we may readjust the pricing structure or find a way of offering a, a service that, you know, we can scale so it's not as expensive or, you know, maybe the client felt they didn't have a specific support in a specific area. I think that's really important. Um, obviously, when it's a one-man team and it was me by myself for a while, it's difficult to do that. But, you know, what I do and what I've been doing with Joe and a lot of the guys is put a team in place and, and show you how to do these systems so that, um, you know, you're, at the end of the day, a happy client is a successful client. And a successful client, you know, is going to continue to see results. So I think client retention is key. 100%, yeah. And change of behaviors and stuff as well, only because a lot of people, they want to go from, you know, it's human nature to want to go from kind of zero to 100 and get results really fast. So a lot of people want to, you know, we we want to get those results and we don't really want to, the, the patience comes in, you know, is it, very important. But changing human behaviors, you know, to actually get results and long-term sustainable results, you know, people have to change certain things. And it has to be, if you ask me, that the, you know, by far the superior results I've had with people, whether that be personal training or online, is when we just make the small changes and we're consistent with those small changes. And once we've been consistent with one change, that could be anything as simple as increasing vegetable intake um, and being consistent with that. Once we've nailed that one and that's now a part of their lifestyle, boom, let's move on to the next thing. And that's how really, for the average person, um, you get those long-standing results. Um, and, you know, protein intake's another one, Chris, right? So I find a lot of people are, you know, kind of um, grossly under-eating protein, a lot of people. So it's like, okay, let's bump that protein up now, which is going to, you know, help blunt your appetite and 
all the rest of it. And once they're consistent with that, then they start noticing, oh, okay, um, the results are coming and then we, we, we change something else. But um, what I'm looking to tap into a bit more now is, is helping people prep for competitions. So that's oh, awesome. what I'm going to be. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can, um, you know, get um, a few people um, on board with that as well now because um, I've had a few people inquire and stuff like that. But uh, as you mentioned, mate, scaling it, you know, obviously I still do some PT as well. So, and I just noticed a book you were reading called Scale as well, actually, which I took a screenshot of. Dude, but scaling is key, let, right? Let me tell you a story about that book. So um, I actually haven't, he, he's actually going to be on my podcast soon. So um, probably three years ago, just before my business really took off, um, I, I had a client at that point for, so, so basically let's bring it back a little bit. So for those out there who are offering, um, online coaching, or if you're out there, you're aspiring online coach, what I did was I decided to increase, um, my contact with some clients and give them a call every week rather than a normal check-in. So I decided to offer, um, and that was a, a, my ability, a, a, my, my way of scaling my business. So yes, I could charge more and I could have less clients um, and, and get more income for, for the time that I was putting in, but give them more value. So I created a Skype program where I would, I would call them, um, which now a lot of people do. Long story short, one of the clients, obviously it was a higher end program. Uh, one of the clients joined um, and we were working together for six months. Really, really, he was doing really, really well. Um, you know, I knew he was pretty successful. He, uh, I never really asked what in, um, turns out that it was, uh, the author of that book, Frank Bria. And, um, long story short, we decided to, uh, we decided to, to, to work together, um, in business, um, and set together my mastermind, which we put, you know, in place. Um, and during that period of time, he was traveling Europe. He was in the States at the time. He was traveling Europe for about two or three months, two or three weeks. And uh, he basically turned around to his company and said, you know, it's a business trip. And he said, I'll travel Europe for two to three weeks, um, you know, in terms of what he was doing. But he said, I want you to pay for my trainer to come with me. And they were like, um, okay, how much is that going to cost? And he said, well, he's going to fly first class with me everywhere and he's going to stay in all the hotels that I'm going to stay in. So uh, are you in or are you out? And they basically agreed. So long story short, I traveled. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I traveled Europe with him. This is 2017. I traveled Europe with him and for three weeks, all I did was pick his brain on how to scale, how to scale my business, how to grow, how to develop systems, how to put things in place. Um, and, uh, that changed my business and changed my life. He, he's one of, one of my best friends now. Um, you know, we speak all the time. He's still now, I actually pay him now. Um, and he is one of my business coaches, one of my business mentors. And if I have a question in terms of scaling or systems, um, you know, we, we bounce ideas and, uh, yeah. So honestly, that book is incredible. Um, and his knowledge is incredible. So that, that is that, that book, sorry, who's, he recommended that book to you, did he? Or? No, he wrote that book. He wrote the book. Sorry, I missed that part. Wow. Yeah, okay, so, so, yeah so, so, so the long story short is he, did a, he did a PhD in mathematics and did a PhD in business. And he ended up um, working for software companies and banks. Um, and on the side, he ended up uh, creating online programs 
and uh, basically got into the entrepreneurial space and, and wrote that book called Scale. So at Scale, how, wow. to, how, to, how to grow your business by working less. Um, and, uh, and he gave me that signed copy and said, this will come in useful. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, in terms of scaling your business, that, that's absolutely yes, revolutionary. Um, so I would highly recommend you get that. Um, and I use a lot of those principles with, uh, with a lot of my mastermind clients now. And obviously myself and Frank, um, we set up my mastermind. Um, you know, he helped me launch that back in, you know, 2017, you know, I only took on a few number. What I said to myself was I wanted to wait until, you know, my fitness business had hit, you know, half a million dollars a year before I started focusing on, on the business aspect of things. Um, because I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be hopping around from one thing to the other. And I wanted to make sure that the fitness business was right. And even now, dude, I spend, you know, a vast majority of my day thinking of ways that I can improve the service that, that I, that, that I give to, to all clients. Um, and yeah. I think as entrepreneurs and, and you as an athlete, we're exactly the same. That's it. We're programmed to think, how can we improve? How can we do better? Um, so dude, I would absolutely recommend you get that book. Um, it okay. is, it is mega. Awesome. Mate. Awesome. I'll get on that. But um, yeah, yeah. So that's it. Just like, obviously, um, given the quality of service is essential just to sum that up, right? Because um, anyone could, this, as you said, the, the people say is saturated, the fitness industry, but every industry is saturated now because of the day and age we live in, live in with technology advancing so fast. Um, it's everything is saturated. It's just how do you actually put your stamp on it and, and how do you add more value uh, and go above and beyond, I guess, Chris, isn't it? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think with you now prepping for your show, I think that's going to, you know, that's really important as well for, for your clients to see that you're still pushing boundaries. You're still learning, you're still growing, you're still trying to, you know, do new, uh, you, like you said, you know, about your, 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 your sodium manipulation, you're still learning, you know, you're, you're not just giving up and, and just wheeling out information to everyone else. Awesome. I'll pick your brain a little bit offline anyway, mate, now. So, uh, yeah, mate, I was going to ask you, um, whilst we're on that topic real quick, right? Um, I was going to ask you about um, people getting in shape and obviously, you know, six out, I always say this stat, but roughly six out of seven people will lose a significant amount of weight or body fat in their lifetime only to put it all back on and sometimes more. So yeah. losing body fat and getting in shape is one thing, but actually sustaining it and, and managing to maintain this and, and molding your lifestyle in, in, a, in a way where you have, you're still a happy individual, you have a relatively balanced life, you know, um, and you're actually managing to maintain this physique without having to think about it, right? That's, that's the battle. So what are your kind of top tips, mate, for, for, for the audience in, or, in, in order to, you know, they want to get in shape, but for them to maintain this physique as we do all year round, what are your top tips? So firstly, and I know this is, this is going to sound like a get out of jail free card, but if you cut, if you have a non-restrictive cut or you try, at the end of the day, you have to remember, right? Not everyone wants to, you know, get on, oh, well, you know, I'm sure everyone wants to look as shredded as you and be on the cover of a magazine and et cetera. But the vast majority of people, that's not their goal. And I think if, if you can tap into firstly, why someone wants to get lean, um, and assess, okay, you want to feel a little bit better. For example, one of my clients, one of my biggest wins was, um, was a client of mine who, who turned around to me and he said, you know, his why was he wanted to be able to take his top off uh, with, uh, and go into the pool 
with his two daughters and not feel ashamed to be the only dad in the pool with a t-shirt on. And oh, wow. that was mind blowing. Like that, I don't care how many magazine covers I get on. His why is stronger than mine. Always will be. Yeah. And, why for, and he, he doesn't need to restrict his food to make that happen. He just needs to move a little bit more, uh, be a little bit more conscious about what he eats, enjoy the gym and structure his food accordingly, not restrictive. Now, because I identified what is, what is why really was, it's easier for you to tap in as a coach to go, okay, you know, when things get tough, when, you know, he's had a, a tough week, I'm like, okay, it's not easy, but this is your why. This is the reason we are doing this, um, number one. And number two, in, in, and, and it kind of ties into number one, really, in doing so, try not to make it restrictive. You know, if I turned around to him at any point and said, you need to eat this way for the rest of your life, he could have done it. Not the same meals every day, but I educated him on how to make changes, how to manipulate food, um, how to structure carbs, um, you know, how, if he is going to have a cheat meal, when to have it, how to have it, maybe go low carb on rest days. That educational process empowers people to feel like they can function without you. Now, the biggest yes. mistake that coaches make is that they restrict their clients so much and in a way form a, mani a manipulation tactic, whether they believe it or not, whereby they want the client to rely on them 110% so that they continue to pay them. Now, the truth mm -hmm. is, if you're a good coach, you'll educate, empower, and motivate someone so much that they will never leave anyway. Yeah, exactly. And that should be the end goal because no one really should have to rely on a trainer or a coach for the rest of their lives. The ideal situation, as you said, is to see you for X amount of time. A good coach or a good trainer is actually a guide. That's, that's what you are. Like as, as kind of basic as that sounds, right? You, you have to be excellent at communicating. It doesn't matter because you get a lot of kind of, you know, people who have all sorts of degrees. But as we mentioned earlier, they haven't actually dealt with people. Uh, and that's such a, an important factor to be able to communicate what you are saying to people in an effective way where they are actually going to adhere for the most part. Because obviously, as you mentioned, the why, like why are you doing it? And, and that I've got loads of examples I could use as well. But um, yeah, that, that, that is a game changer. Once you realize why you're doing it, and like you said, he was doing it for that reason where with his kids and he wanted to be at the pool, not the only one with a T-shirt on, you know? So Absolutely. that is strong enough why to, to, to the driver has to be right. Because a lot of people, what I'm trying to say is a lot of people without realizing it, are actually purely doing it based out of insecurities um, to get in shape and to, to look better. Is purely based on something they're not happy with um, in terms of, you know, a lot of people come to me are not happy with certain parts of their body, which is not always a bad thing. It's, it's going to be the case for a lot of people, but it's just delving deeper into um, why you want it so much, right? So I think that's really important. Yeah, dude, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's for us, you know, we've been there in, in some capacity, you know, and um, the, the thing is like you, if your why is not a strong why, let's just say your why is I want to lose like a stone. Great. Mm. But why do you want to lose a stone? Unless exactly. you, what unless you, you lost address, that stone. Exactly. Exactly. Unless you address yeah. the why within the why, then it's like, okay, well, why do you want to lose a stone? Uh, because I just want to lose a stone. That's not a strong why. You know, if you, oh, that's right. I want to lose a stone so that, you know, I, 
I, I can ask the girl out that I've been wanting to ask out for four years, but I don't have the confidence to do so. Now that's a strong yeah. why. Um, yeah. I want to lose a stone because I'm getting married in six months and I want to be in the best shape of my life for my husband on my wedding day. That's a strong why. Um, and sometimes the client doesn't know what that why is. And it's up to us to identify and, and bring that to fruition and see, okay, here is why um, you, know, you want to lose that weight. And what would that mean to you? Um, and obviously doing it in a sustainable fashion whereby you're not restricting them is key, is absolutely key. Oh. Because um, as you, like, when you, it's like you know, it's it's you can relate this to anything in life. But once you get there, um, you, you, a lot of the time, if it's purely based on um, you know looking better or an external uh, motivator, if you like, um, and then you don't have you know an idea of what you want to do after that, it can it can sometimes be uh, detrimental, right? So yeah, good point. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask you, dude, for, for those out there. So we've got quite a few competing in in a few shows coming up in in September time. What advice would oh, yeah. you give them um, competing for the first time? Now that you've competed a number of times in different federations, what would advice yeah. would you give to people out there who are competing for the first time or considering competing for the first time? Okay, once again, it's, it's what we were talking about, really. It's, um, I, you really need to discover why you want to do it because after after you've done I always say the people I prep um, the, the few people I've prepped online for, for competitions is I need I need to have a game plan in place um, as to after the competition right so that is just as important as the competition it's like after the competition you have a little bit of a game plan in terms of you know maintaining your health uh, not rebounding because you know it's it's going to be normal for um, for you to rebound a bit um, and obviously go and enjoy yourself and eat some food, drink some alcohol and whatnot. But what a lot of people do after they've competed is they um, book, a, book a holiday, go away. Or even if they don't book a holiday, they will um, just stop training as much, so stop moving in general as much, um, eat three or four times the amount they were eating. And um, what happens then, obviously, is, is the body is like, oh, well, we better hold on to this. You know, you've starved me for X amount of time. Um, and you can, I've, I've known people to put on um, absurd amount of weights. Like, I know, I know a guy, you know, he put, he put on like something like 15 kilos in a week. Uh, I know a girl who put on um, not far off 10 kilos, I think it was, in like, um, I think it was nine days or something like that. Um, and I made a purely, mainly just water retention, but body fat as well. You know, you can put body fat on pretty fast after a show if you are, uh, if, if you're eating um, and, you know, going overboard with the indulgence, if you like, because it's a survival mechanism from the body. So that is a very important thing is to, is to have, a, you know, realize why you're doing it, right? And um, just to give you an example of, of a good reason why to do it is because I want to do it because I want to um, prove to myself that I can apply this amount of discipline to get up there and um, bring, you know, an incredible physique to the stage and, you know, potentially apply that discipline to other areas of my life, that discipline, that consistency, that patience. If you're really smart about it and you have the right why, as, as Chris just talked about, it can be, it can be life-changing for the better because you can apply those things to other areas of your life, whether that's business, relationships, anything. Um, and that is when you really realize that actually this, this could be, um, a really beneficial thing for you. Um, but just, just to, just to sum it up, I guess my advice, if you're doing your first show is to really take, um, take enjoyment out of the process as tough as it might get, 
Um, the process is, is all we have, folks, in, in any area of life. So like I said, as, as challenging as it gets when you're prepping for a show, embrace the process. Um, don't get too caught up on the progress. Obviously, you need to, you need to keep yourself in check and make sure you, you're going to bring you know, your best package, but you need to just enjoy the process and embrace the character building that will happen uh, leading up to you getting on stage because that is the true game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, that's awesome, awesome advice. I think, I think, well, maybe I'll take that advice if I compete next year. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I'm going to try and take that advice myself now. It's easier said than done. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is true. Dude, thank you so much um, for, for taking time out of your day. I know you're super, super busy. Um, no, I'm obviously, I'm going to be going to be looking forward to uh to seeing how things go um for for my audience where can people find out more about you um so we i have a website where we my friend and i uh have a have a fitness website launching soon where we're going to have all our programs on there lots of free guides and nutrition guides and whatnot and we'll, we'll be offering our online coaching services so that is going to be launched in a few weeks time hopefully so that's going to be um www.optimizeyourbody.com. But as I say, that's going to be in a few. I'm not sure when you're posting this, but on my um, social media, if you can, you can go find me on Instagram at Martin Silva Fitness, and I'm also on Facebook as well. So um, Martin Silva Fitness, uh, I, I believe it's just Martin Silva Fitness. Yeah, on on Facebook as well. So oh, uh, oh I'm not, I'm not mentioned. Sorry um, to the listeners. Go check out my podcast as well. Um, you know, I have sim- similar values to Chris after listening to Chris talk here. And I think you'll get some, some great advice from my podcast, which is also optimize your body. Absolutely. And that's pretty much it. Bro. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're going to share this audio on, on, on both anyway. So, um, so for those of you guys who are listening, my end head over, check out Martin's podcast, um, check out his prep leading up to the show. I'll be watching, I'll be excited. Um, and fingers crossed, dude. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Yeah, make sure to, to my audience, you go check Chris out. What was your Instagram again, Chris? Yeah, so for those of you guys, you can probably best reach me at uh, Spearman Chris um, or drop me an email. Um, but to be honest, the best thing to do is if, you're, if you want to contact me about anything in particular is to DM because that will go straight to me. That is not delegated. That is me, will always be me. So that's the best place to catch me. And obviously, if you're listening to this on Martin's End, uh, check out my podcast, the shred, uh, the shred with science podcast. Um, and, uh, and yeah, dude, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, almost pleasure. Just get a training session in, I'm in Australia next. Yeah, definitely. Make sure you let me know when you come in and, uh, when I'm back over my neck of the woods over in uh, the UK, I'll, if I swing by London, mate, we'll do a session there too. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thank you, brother. Thanks a lot, Chris. Appreciate your time.